back in, Spirit fans. My name is Seth Askerson, and thank you for joining us yet again. Another edition of the Founders Podcast. This time, the head coach for strength and conditioning, Cody Hodgson. Cody, how are you today? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, appreciate you coming on. We've talked to um, everybody that's been here in terms of their position uh, since day one, or at least at the school since day one, whether they were head coach or an assistant coach. And um, you've built this strength uh, program from the ground up before we get there. How have you been and um, how's your family been since um, all the coronavirus has shut down? It's been about three months now. So how's, uh, how's life been for you in these kind of interesting three months? It has been a very interesting three months. Um, it has really pushed me out of my comfort zone. I am extremely extroverted. I fortunately work in an environment where um, I get to be around people all the time. And this has really taken a lot away from that. At the same time, um, one of the major reasons I came to Ottawa was to spend more time with my kids. And since they had been doing such a good job of letting me have those windows of time with my kids and with my family, uh, this really just locked us down and put us all together. And it's, it's basically what I prayed for. So it's, uh, it's kind of funny that it came at the, the awkwardness of, of life with all this craziness. But like, I've really been enjoying the time with my family. And I've really been enjoying the time with my, my kids. Yeah, I mean, the saying goes, you know, when God closes a door, he opens a window. So uh, that window has been, like you said, for you, it, the ability to spend more time with your kids. And, um, you know, Ottawa is one of those schools that feels like family, right? I mean, kids are always at the events and just such a close-knit group. Uh, I mean, you come from working at big division one schools. You worked at U of A when you were an undergrad, you've worked at NAU and at Northern Colorado, but in terms of the family aspect, what is it like uh, as a workplace at, at Ottawa? How does, how does it differ from some of the other places that you've been at? Um, one of the major things that are, again, I really enjoy and I came here and I had talked to Kevin He said, uh, what would it take to get you to come down from NAU? And honestly, it was spend more time with my kids. Like I had a really good job. I'd been there for eight years. I had a good system. People liked me. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, a bad situation for me. And it was just, there was travel with football and there was travel with basketball and there was be at every event, whether it was, uh, whether it was soccer or track and field or basketball. And then as I slowly started not going to all the events that was kind of frowned upon at NAU where it's like, no, you, you got to be here. You got to support them. You got to, you got to be at all this stuff and looking at it going like, well, that's weekends, that's holidays, that's, I already work 14 hour days anyways, like how, how are you going to take every weekend? And I looked back at it and I was working like 30 weekends a year. And I'm looking at this going like how that's my only time off with my kids. And if I'm working a 14 hour day, like I'm, I'm leaving before they get up and I'm getting home and they're getting ready for bed most of the time. And it's like, I, I just couldn't, couldn't uh, come up with a window of time to have them and they didn't mind you know you could bring your kids to the events but they couldn't be on the sidelines of the game or they couldn't be on the they couldn't be right next to me all the time so it was kind of a, a unique it wasn't unique it was a, a situation that I wanted to improve and uh, Kevin promised me that uh, and he came through with it so uh, I get to have my kids here and uh, sometimes I hang out in the office and they're on the sidelines with me uh, we don't bring them on football sidelines for safety sake but you know, I can bring them down to any other game. They sit right next to me. We hang out. Um, I don't have to go to every event, and I don't travel with football. Um, I, I think they wish I would, and honestly, I really enjoyed it, and I would if I didn't have the kids, but I get to have my kids and spend time with them, and <clears throat> I think it puts it in a different perspective, too, when um, I only have 50% custody of them, so when they're with me, it's their time, and when they're not with me, it's Ottawa time, and it has turned into a very good balance, in my opinion. Well, that's good in terms of uh, the balance, like you said, the ability to, you know, spend more time with your kids and not feel as obligated to have to come out to these events. I mean, like you said, 30 weekends a year, there's only 52 weekends a year. So that's right. more than half. I mean, that's, that's right. it was, it was a lot in here. I mean, I worked six or eight home football games, depending on what happens. And, and that's really the, the eight, eight days. It's not even the whole weekend, you know, it's the, uh, the eight home football games. And um, after that, it's if we swing out to the softball game or swing out to the, uh, the uh, soccer game, we can, but it's not, it doesn't consume my whole day like it used to. And uh, I get to spend a lot of time with my kids. And even that, if I, 
if I have the chance to go get them early on a Friday afternoon, I just tell Kevin, I'm like, Hey, can my GA cover the last three groups and let me sneak out and go get my kids real quick. And he's never said no. So again, held true on his promise. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, even though it's a smaller school, like you said, the ability to, to spend more time with family and uh, for you, you've uh, been working in, you know, exercise science and strength and conditioning. And I think over the last, really over the last 15 years or so, the focus of organized fitness has been kind of big and, and kind of a big business in, in the United States. So for you, what, why did you decide to get into um, not only exercise science, but the strength and conditioning side? Um, it kind of worked out on its own. And uh, the long story short of it was I was trying really hard to be a division one wrestler. I tried walking on to ASU's team twice. I wasn't good enough to make the team very clearly. They sent me to Pima and said, Hey, he's one of our former coaches. Like, it's our feeder school, get better and come back and see us. And so I ended up going to Pima. Uh, one of my friends went to Pima, we, we roommated together and he is an engineer major. And I basically took all the classes he was taking because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a wrestler, that's what I wanted to be. And uh, it would have it worked out great. And my big plans, my senior year was 2004 and that's when the Olympics were in Greece. And in my head, like I was winning a gold medal in Greece. And in reality, I wasn't even making ASU's wrestling team which they were top 10 in the nation those years at the same time, like wasn't going to the Olympics. I, I had uh, big dreams and it just wasn't in the cards. So I find myself doing really well in math and in biology and in chemistry. I just doing really well in those. And uh, before I know it, it's like, Hey, I like exercise. Uh, my dad played for the Atlanta Falcons in 77 and I grew up exercising and running and lifting and being around sports. He played for U of A also. So we'd go to their spring games and to their, events and so I find I love sports I played a lot of them growing up and I was was in love with athletics and it was kind of one of those where hey the more I learn about the human body the more I like the more I want to understand it and it kind of snowballed into hey what am I going to do and I was looking through all my options of careers and I kind of landed on physical therapy and I thought hey this is going to be cool it's all you know you get to help people I, I really enjoy helping people and you get to be around people, you get to take care of people like this. These are things that I like, and these are things that I want to do. So here we go. And I find myself, you know, after my two years at Pima, I tried to get on at ASU's wrestling again, and they dislocated both my shoulders. And so I got one shoulder dislocated, and I did my rehab and all that fun stuff. Took about six months to get right, and I got cleared to wrestle. And I went and tried to wrestle on their team again. And in two weeks, they dislocated my other shoulder. And this is my, you know, I wasn't good enough to be their statement because they, they kind of tore me up at the same time. You know, God kind of had to pull both my arms out of socket to get me to let go of the wrestling thing and realize what I was supposed to do. Uh, I'm a little stubborn, so he had to do it twice. But um, unless you talk to my friends and family, then I'm a lot stubborn and he had to do it twice. And um, yeah, so I did two stints of physical therapy and realized like this is really depressing. Everyone here is hurt and I don't want to work in physical therapy, but I'm on my way to go to NAU to get an exercise science degree to be in their physical therapy school. And so I'm wandering around looking for jobs. And my dad actually talked to one of the former strength coaches at, at U of A, his name was Dan Wirth. And um, he connected me in with uh, Neil Ramp, who uh, one of the smartest guys I've ever met and talked with. And they said, all right, well, if uh, you wanna be a strength coach, I'll see you here at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. And I was like, I, I didn't, I just came in to ask you what it was about. And you said, see you tomorrow at 5 a.m. And so I showed up at 4.30 cause that's how my family works. And the guy told me, you're gonna be the best strength coach ever. Like you already know how to show up early. So here we go. And so I interned with him for a year and it was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. This is the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. Like, this is great. And so I went up to NAU and I just walked into the, to the room and was like, hey, I don't care if I have to sweep floors and mop and wipe down equipment just let me be here let me learn let me understand because this is what I want to do and I don't care where I have to start and for most people it's the same you know almost every GA I've hired has already worked for free for two years and as I was saying the market is so flooded that you kind of have to have a an extensive resume to put yourself above and beyond everybody else so I uh I went up got my exercise science degree and uh actually was biology with an emphasis in exercise science and a minor in chemistry because those are the things that I'm good at. 
reading and writing aren't necessarily my, my favorites. I'm not as good at those. And uh, yeah, that was kind of how that, that swayed me into strength and conditioning. It kind of was a, uh, an accident, but seems like a divine intervention accident to me. Did you ever think um, that when you were going to go in and ask questions, uh, those, you know, all those years ago that um, you'd be uh, an assistant coach at a D1, um, intern at a D1, be the head, you know, head strength and conditioning coach at a D1, and then now build your own program. Did you ever think that was in the cards on that day you went to just ask questions? It wasn't even in the game plan. I was actually kind of down and out when I went in there because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where I was going. I was just wandering around trying to figure out what I was going to do and what I, it wasn't going to be wrestling anymore. And I had geared, you know, I started wrestling in fifth grade. And so, and I had played a lot of other sports and I realized like I originally, it's like, Hey, I want to be a football player like my dad. Well, I'm 5'10". I'm can't see to save my life and I'm not that fast. So there's no, there's no big, there's no fast and there's no, no, I can't see very well. So um, yeah, the football got, I knew I wasn't going to be a division one football player about my sophomore year of high school. And so at that point, I also had a full go team my sophomore year of high school. So I was pretty sure I was done growing. And um, yeah, so I, I was all geared towards wrestling. I had spent my whole, I, I thought it was going to be all about wrestling. And when, when wrestling, I had never even thought past, you know, 2004, that was like, Hey, I'm going to get there. And that's what I'm going to do. And if people were like, hey, what are you going to do after that? I was like, quit distracting me from my goal at hand. Like, oh, I was so geared and so focused and so narrow-minded to, to the goal that I didn't see any of it. So when the goal got taken away from me, it was kind of earth-shattering for me. It was like uh, just wandering aimlessly here now and just trying to figure out what to do with my life, which is, I mean, as, as I would tell somebody in some of the Bible studies I've been a part of, like, I became a Christian when I was eight years old. Like, I, I, I prayed, prayed the prayer. But like I became a real Christian at 21 when my earth got, you know, everything got taken away that I was focused on and I didn't know what to do with myself and it, it became real then. And so that's where the major change for me occurred was just trying to find where I was going to be and what I was going to do. And no, I didn't think any of that. I was just trying to find a career that wouldn't be boring. Well, uh, anytime I pass by your weight room, uh, in the office, obviously connected to the gym in the new Adel Center. It's it's definitely far from um, unfun and, and quiet. It's definitely uh, looks like a blast in there. So, um, oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> One of the best jobs in the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a job where you got to. I mean, you and I talked about this uh, off the air a little bit, but that you really got to build your own weight room. What was that like? I mean, obviously, we'll jump into kind of what it was like when you first got here, but you truly got to build your own weight room. What was that experience like? And I mean, again, what was going through your mind when you found out like, okay, this isn't, you know, I'm not coming into a program where the weight room's already there. Like I'm able to design it to the exact extent that I want. Um, definitely one of the perks to the job. And um, that was, that was part of the, the conversation with Kevin Steele on, on, Hey, what can it take to get you from NAU? And I said, family. And he says, Hey, you're going to get to build your own weight room from scratch. And that was a huge perk and a very big draw for me. Um, I, I realized being a candidate for the job wasn't just that, you know, I was a Christian guy and a strength coach, but uh, I had been a part of Northern Colorado had rebuilt their weight room. And I got to be a part of that as an assistant, but then at NAU over eight years of being there, I had, completely redone their weight room so I have a before and after picture and it's like these aren't even the same buildings and it's like that's the same building it just took me eight years because I could you know Johnny Cash style buy it one piece at a time and so I had a big plan that I wanted to make it happen and so it, it took me a while but if you walk in there now they're like this is phenomenal what is this and I was like it's what I built and so I've, I've kind of been a part of it twice and one of them I got to do um, as an assistant and one of them I got to do as a head, but it took a really like, you know, I had to budget it out and plan it out and kind of part and piece it out as we went. And this one was like, here's a square, fill it up. And it was really, uh, kind of exciting. I was like, my companies, my people, my, the, what, what I think is going to, you know, is going to get 650 people through here in a day? Go. So, so I got to build it and uh, it's, it's beautiful. I uh, actually just got the uh, green light to go back in there this week and uh, went back in there and it's like, looks good and it smells good and the equipment's all, like, I just 
can't wait to get back in there and get using it again. Yeah, it's uh, maybe the cleanest gym I've ever seen. Um, it's it's nice. You always do a great job of keeping it clean. That's the one thing. Uh, other than when you have football in there on cer- certain days when the the smell will drift out in the hallway. Other than that, it's stays uh, pretty confined. But um, you know, being a head coach at the D1 level, you and I, again, something else we talked about off air was kind of the unique way you got that job. Um, but you took over at NAU. You were there, as you mentioned, for eight years. What was that experience like? I know we talked about, you know, it took up a lot of time and maybe didn't leave as much time as you would have liked for your family. But in terms of, you know, training the athletes and, and kind of seeing everything at a D1 level, what was that experience like for you uh, as a head coach for eight years? Um. It, uh, it was a really good experience, and uh, it has led me into a lot of opportunities. So I have, a, I have 25 people now who I have hired and have now moved up and are strength coaches out in the universe at multiple universities, and it has given me the opportunity to hire good people and recommend good people and teach people the things. It's like, man, I wish somebody would have told me that eight years ago, and I I've even compiled up a list of stuff. Um, that I wish somebody would have told me. And I worked together with, uh, um, I'll throw his name out there. His name's Dan Darcy. He's the head at Lamar University. But he was my first hire at NAU. So when I moved up to the head position, I hired him in my place for the assistant position. And he worked for me for six years. And if not the best, one of the greatest strength coaches out there, super smart, super driven, super disciplined. And uh, we worked together to put together a whole, we call it the GA development, but it was just, everything I wish somebody would have told me and it turned into like 25 weeks of one hour installments a week. And so it was just a great deal to be able to go. I mean, when I hired Dan back in 2010, it was like NAU had had 10 strength coaches in 10 years and one of them left. um, One of them stayed for three years. So Rob Schwartz stayed for three years before he left. And so like they were losing guys at like at a six month rate at one point. And so when Dan got there and it's like, I knew I wasn't planning like, in a use a great launch pad. It's, it's really good to get, Hey, I have two years of division one experience and you get to bump up to a bigger school. And a lot of people use it that way. And I knew with my living situation at the time, like I wasn't going anywhere and I was planning on retiring from NAU. Like that was my, like, I'm staying here. I'm, I'm here for the long haul. So I told Dan when I got there, when I hired him, like, They've never had anything stable. They've never had anything consistent. We can make this whatever we want it to be. There's no, like, there's nothing. It's, it's almost a blank piece of paper. We have our own gym, but like these athletes don't have a clue. And for, for all reality, the coaches don't have a clue. Like they probably have their ideals or they have what happened at another university, but NAU's never provided it. And so I got to build it. I got to build it from scratch basically. And so you get to see there's the whole window of time where, you have the first four years is one window. And I, I call every four years like a generation of athletes, if that makes sense. Because after four years, the, the memory is erased. So when you have, hey, Coach Schwartz used to do it this way. And Coach Bond used to do it that way. And Coach Morzaleski used to do it this way. And once that slowly erases its way out, then it's like, hey, um, this is the way it is. This is the way it's always been. Then, you know, on year four or five, when there's just nobody who remembers any other strength coach, it's just the way we do it. And it's ours and it's our culture. And it kind of like life kind of seemed to go in two year cycles of like, Hey, we're really motivated. Hey, we're in a slump and Hey, we're, we have all these crazy good athletes and Hey, we're in a slump and Hey, we just, and it's not even like the quality of athlete to like the motivations of the athletes. And we kind of went in these two year cycles, which was kind of interesting to see what happens after, after four years, how much easier some parts are and how much harder the other parts are. So it was really a unique environment to see what can happen if you stay and stay focused and what these windows of time look like. As, as strength coaches, we're really good at long-term planning. So I don't come in and say, okay, here's your workout for today. Like in my head, this workout is part of this week, which is part of this block, which is part of this year. And I've got this training year going into you. So I know what I'm trying to do right now. But the best analogy I can give is it's very similar to farming. You know, it's like, it's not, if we're plowing up the land, it's not the end product. And our athletes are very uh, immediate results driven and they're very accustomed to, I call it the microwave society, but like we can get things really fast right now. And we just, you don't grow muscle fast. 
And even if you cheat, you don't grow muscle fast. You, you have to take time. Nothing's going to happen. You're not going to do anything this week that is going to make you drastically stronger for Saturday. There's things we can do to make you perform better or feel better or be more flexible for, for this week. But realistically, like I need nine months. And I think that's why God made it that long in the womb. It takes nine months to grow a new human being. So it takes nine months for me to grow a new athlete too. So it's, it's a really slow process. And as I joke with my, with my staff where it's like, Hey, we're just tilling the land right now. We're just getting the rocks out. Hey, we're planting seeds right now. Hey, we're watering right now. And then now we're loading up all the stuff that we grew. We put on the truck and we drive it to the market and we hand it to the coaches. And on game day, I really like, it's, it's not a stressful day for me. It's a really enjoyable day. Like I sit back and watch the coaches sell my product and it's, it's kind of an enjoying day. Like even, you know, I hate, hate losing. I hate losing more than I can even express. I hate losing. And I don't want to see anybody get injured. That's probably the bigger stressor is like, I hate watching people get injured. Just my personal philosophy, like my part of my job is to make our athletic trainers jobs really easy. Like if I do a good job, there's less injuries. So, but, but that's like the long story of it because I'm telling long stories right now um, is that it's, it just takes a really long time. So. Well, long stories here on this podcast are more than welcome. I can uh, promise you that. So um, you might be the only person uh, that works for OUAZ that isn't stressed out on game days. So right, right. I, might, I might have to come to you and, and see if you can teach me how to not be <laughs> stressed on game days as well. So, uh, but as you mentioned, um, you know, NAU 10 strength coaches in 10 years. I mean, just no stability. When you look at athletic or athletic programs, right? Like a football team or a basketball team where you're changing coaches every year. The story is always, oh, you know, they can't get used to the playbook. You know, they're changing systems every year and it's hard on the players. And, but nobody really thinks about that aspect when it comes to strength and conditioning. Why is it so important to have that stability to not go through 10 coaches in 10 years? And as you mentioned, there was a three-year stint in there. So, you know, these all of a sudden it's almost at a six-month pace. Why is it important to have that stability in the strength and conditioning coach department? In my opinion, um, the importance of having the stability there is if you do mixed training, you get mixed results. And again, having it be a nine month window that I need to, to do right for you, those compile. So what you train for is kind of what you get. And when you're saying, oh, I'm training raw for strength or oh, I'm training raw for speed or oh, I'm training and you get one year this and one year that and one year this, like, it, unless it coincidentally lines up to the physiological order that you need, which is like hypertrophy first and strength second and power third and speed fourth, then unless you accidentally got those strength coaches in that order, um, it's really hard to, uh, it's really hard to get consistent. Like the consistency creates better results, if that makes any sense. So the the best way I can explain that on that is like, if you look at any peer edited research on, hey, we did five sets of five, or we did three sets of 10, or we did 10 sets of two, and you're looking at these, these athletes who train consistently, or these people who train consistently for a window of time, all of them get you stronger. All of them do. So to say, oh, is this better than that, or is that better than this? Sticking to one and repetitively doing it and getting better at it is going to be better than being all over the place. And so the consistency of it is something that, that helps on that front. And then on the feedback loop. So for me, I'll sit down with whoever our head athletic trainer is at whatever university for here. It's, it's Joe. And it's like, Hey, at the end of the year, I was like, how many hamstrings did we have? How many groins did we have? How many concussions did we have? How many shoulders did we have? How many of this did we have? And it's like, okay, if I had four hamstring pulls and 18 shoulders, like my next loop needs to be far more focused on shoulder prehab and shoulder strength and shoulder stability than it does. Like, I don't want to lose the hamstring because that's, that's an amazing number for hamstrings on the opposite. It was like, Hey, we had two shoulder injuries and I had 17 hamstring pulls. It's like, all right, next year I need to, and I can make my program, my, my program grows with what our injury rates are. So as I know what we need to do to prepare them better for the following year, based off of what I've already done. So each year my program gets better because I am now connected with the athletic training staff and the injury side of things to make sure that I know what's happening. So if I bolt out the next year and it's like, Hey, new coach comes in and just starts and does their thing. 
And it's like, hey, I had a lot of hamstrings. Like they can do some hamstring stuff if they want to, but what preparation got these guys to where they are now? Then where do I need to make the adjustment? And so for me, each year that I'm there, the program gets a little bit better. At NAU, um, through your first two or three years, did you start to notice that because that stability was there, those injuries and you know, kind of the comfortability started, the injuries went down and the comfortability started to go up uh, in the department? Um, so I had a really good relationship with uh, the director of sports medicine there also. And uh, she actually put together the numbers to show how much it significantly affected the department and got me a raise out of it because we had saved almost $100,000 in surgeries after three years. So it documented how much money they were spending on injuries and then how much money they're spending on injuries now. And it was like, hey, the only thing that has changed out of all of this craziness, because most of the head coaches there have been there for a while and stayed, and she used football specifically, was like, and he had been there 21 years when, you know, my last year was his last year and he was there 21 years. So, like, the only major change we have is we got a strength and conditioning coach who stuck around and we're spending way less on, on surgeries. So, and use that information to help me get a raise. So, I got a pretty significant raise there um, after year four showing that me being there is actually saving the university a lot of money and a lot of injuries. That's incredible. I mean, that's one of those things that you don't think about, right? Like if you're, you know, the schools, like you said, don't have to pay for the surgeries and, and pay for all those extra things. So they truly are saving money. So it, it's almost a testament to why, you know, a really good consistent sports medicine program and a really good consistent strength and conditioning program is necessary for some of these colleges. And um, I know Ottawa is very thankful that you're committed uh, to building that here as well. And um, obviously being at NAU and like you said, you had planned to retire there, but you know, maybe things weren't as uh, great in terms of having the time with your family. Where did you kind of come across the OUAZ job and, and what were your first thoughts when you saw it? Um, my, um, let's see here. So I came across OUAZ because a, a staff member that I had had a friend at GCU who was trying to get the job and he asked me or he asked me to look at it and see what I could do or if I knew anybody. And I looked at it and um, my wife is from Surprise. Uh, she grew up on the west side way out in the middle of nowhere. So it was basically nothing when she grew up out here before, but like she had lived up here and uh, when we met up in, in Flagstaff there, um, she was trying real hard to, uh, to move back to Surprise. And so um, I looked into it and I really wasn't interested. Like I wasn't interested at all. And um, what I was interested in was getting a pay raise at NAU because half of the country was their strength and conditioning coaches pay was just skyrocketing. And it's like, right, we're getting paid like head coaches now. And so I'm going to NAU going, Hey, we're getting paid like head coaches. Now you gotta, you gotta up my pay. We're, we're getting paid like we should be getting paid. And so I called Ottawa, I called Kevin and I was just like, Hey, how much are you going to pay your guy? It's not listed. And I'm just curious, like, I just want to use this for, for leverage. I'm 100% being honest. Like, I just want to use this for leverage for my boss. And he said, are you the, the strength coach that did the, the prayer preview? That, so so long, long story short on that one, uh, we had a guy travel with us on a football trip and a media guy. And he, I would pray for the team um, before every football game. So in the locker room before we'd go out for our, like, you know, we do our warm up, we do our deal, they go inside and then they come back out. We go inside every game I would pray for the football team. Well, he comes on one of our, our games with us and films my prayer. And then he puts the highlights of the football game and puts the audio of my prayer over the, the highlights of the football game. And it was like this super cool commercial and he puts it out there and we got in trouble for, you can't say in Jesus name and you can't, you know, we're at public school, you're not supposed to my bus. At the, my boss's boss at the time was like, hey, you, you can't do that. You're not supposed to do that. And I was like, it's like, I don't make him come. I said, if you want to pray, you can. And so we kind of got in trouble for it. And so from that point, I had to play the whole game. I said to my boss, I was like, so if they bring up Jesus, can I, or God, can I, can I speak freely then? Like, can I, if they bring him up? And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, you can. If they bring it up, you can talk about it. 
So I just make the workouts harder till they say, Jesus coach. And so then I can talk about it all I want. And, uh, that's, that's basically how I fit my whole, like into that loophole. But, but then going back to, to answer the question was like, he said, Hey, are you the guy that, that did that? And I was like, yep, that was me. And he goes, well, just come down and talk to me, come, come down and have coffee with me. And I'm like, I, I just, just put a number on the paper. So to my boss I, I don't need to waste your time i don't need to waste my time i don't need to bother anybody and he's like no seriously just come on down and let's have coffee and um we'll talk and my wife's over there going like hey uh my friends are having a little get together on friday night like let's just go down there let's just go down there you can talk to him see if you can get the number and we're gonna go hang out with my friends anyways or it'll, they're right down next to where this place is like, all right, well, I'll go talk to him. I just want the number. We're going down anyways. It's not even a big deal. So I go down there and um, my wife is going like, no, you don't understand. God built a university in my hometown so I could move home. He did. I'm telling you, he did. I'm telling you, he did. This is going to be the place. And I'm going, no, no, this is the place. Relax. And so I go down and talk to Kevin and um, he's like, hey, blah, blah, blah. This is, this is our place. This is our stuff. And walks me into the room and I sit down and all the head coaches are in there. And he's like, this is your interview. And I'm like, I'm not dressed up. I'm not shaved, right? I'm not like, you don't walk into an interview like this. This isn't how you do, do interviews in a suit and you do interviews in a tie and you shave your facial hair and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. Like you, you don't do interviews like this. And I didn't even apply for the job. What are you talking about? And so I'm laughing in my head going like, I didn't even apply for this. I don't even need this job. I don't, I don't know if I want this job. And so I sit down there and I get grilled by all the coaches, which is great because like, I don't care. I don't, right. I don't need this job. I don't want this job. So when I get to say, um, you know, the, the coaches come down, well, what would you do in this scenario? And I'm like, I'll tell you exactly what I'll do in that scenario. I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do this. And it's like, what happens when this happens? And they just ask me a million questions and I got to be really open in a scenario that I probably would have tippy-toed if I knew if I wanted the job I would have tippy-toed around the answers and instead I was like well you know what the trouble with soccer coaches is you know what the trouble with track coaches is you know my football coaches are so challenging to work with and I've said those things in my interview I was like because you think this and you want that but I need to do this to get them and you don't think that those things get these things and this is the physiology uh, this is the physiology behind what I'm trying to give you and this is what you're seeing and what you're asking for and these are why we struggle as as coaches and if you will just help me understand what you're getting or wanting and let me help you understand what I got to do to get those things, then we would work together so much smoother and I could provide you with you what we wanted. And on my ride home, like I had uh, the head athletic trainer called me and the soccer coach called me and the football coach called me. And it was like, wow, I really like these people. They seem like good people. And on my way home, I'm literally, I called my dad on the way home and I was like, Am I being crazy right now? Like I'm leaving a division one university that I've spent eight years at that I'm like, it's a state university. So if, if I stay one more year, I get a bigger retirement out of the 10 year block and I've got a decent pay. Like I'm super respected up there and I'm considering leaving right now. Am I being, am I being stupid? Am I being crazy? And my dad's like, does it pay real money? I was like, yeah, it pays real money. He goes, then it's a real job. You've got the division one thing, like it's a superiority complex. Like does division one mean that it's superior or does doing the thing that you want to do make it superior? Like you working for God or are you working for man? Cause if you're working for man, get out of NAU and try to get to Alabama. And if you're not working for man, then just take care of people. Whoever God wants to take care of people. And it was like earth shattering to hear my own dad tell me like, Hey, you kind of got the D one complex going. And again, from somebody who played D one football and went to the pros and, humorously doesn't like coaches very much and that's what I do for a living um it was kind of a reality check for me and it was like yeah you know what I'll get to take care of more people I'll get to help more people I'll get to get my wife back to her hometown which she's been praying for hard and the you know the 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 environment is a Christian environment where I can speak freely about my faith and not have to go have a meeting about it later and so as I I thought about it and prayed about it and finally eventually took the job. It was, it's been a really good move and honestly wish you would have done it sooner. When you got home from that trip, I mean, like you said, you were just kind of expecting to go down there. Your wife was, you know, getting together with some friends. I mean, did you like have to walk in the door and just like stop and take a breath for a second? I mean, that is an absolutely incredible 
life-changing weekend, right? It was, it was a super weird weekend. And I remember, I remember just like laughing that I would sit in there and be so blunt with the coaches about like how the communication between strength and conditioning and, and head coaches is so challenging. And I was so blunt about like, this is what I would do and this is how I would handle it. If you need this from me, then this is what I will do. And if you don't need this from me, then you don't need me. So let's not play the, hey, you have to spend time here game. And, and I was really honest with all of them about like the only reason I would take this job is if it gave me more time with my kids. And it's like the only thing you don't say in an interview is that you want more time off. Like that's the worst thing you could possibly say in an interview. And I probably said it 10 times that like the only thing that you, you could give me is more time off. I want more time with my kids. I want more time off. I want more time with my kids repeatedly. And before I knew it, you know, it's like we're at the end of the meeting and you know, basketball coaches off got three kids another on the way and the volleyball coaches I have got four kids another on the way I've got you know I've got the other soccer coach tell me oh I've got these kids I've got those kids we've got these kids there's kids all over the place and like we came here to have this be a family environment it's like oh okay so we're for real on this family thing because I've had a lot of people tell me things I took the job and they weren't those things like I've been recruited I understand how recruiting works is it for real and so I took the risk and sure enough it's for real that's, I mean, that might be the best story you've ever told on this podcast. I mean, no disrespect to the previous uh, <laughs> participants, but man, that is, uh, Kevin Steele is going to be, uh, I guess, kind of a spoiler here, a, a guest uh, very soon here on the podcast. And that's, that's one I'm going to have to ask him about and uh, see if he's pulled that trick with anybody else <laughs> in the department. Oh, so. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good trick. It was, uh, it got me down there and we stood up, what they called it founders point or lookout point or whatever it was on the parking garage there and looked at a big blank piece of dirt and was like, there's where your weight room is going to be. And I'm going, there's not even a tractor on that piece of dirt. What are we talking about? And the other problem driving up there and I'm laughing as I hung up the phone with my dad, who was like, Hey, what are you working for? And go for that. And I'm literally laughing in my head going like, I'm going to follow Moses into the desert. Like, I feel like, you know, the uh, NAU situation was awesome in that sense of it was like, it was very much so like Egypt in that whole Moses scenario where it's like, I had to work and I had to work so much and it was so much was expected of me on that whole, like, as the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians there. But then as they get out in the desert, they're like, hey, at least we had food, at least we had shelter, at least we had water. I'm laughing going like, I'm literally following Moses out in the desert. And so as we followed out there and it was like, hey, we had a delay in the the uh, construction of our building and we had to switch companies and so many things. And it was like, no, this is literally just wandering around in the desert, man. We still have mana. We're still doing okay. Like we're still getting some money. Like we're going to be okay. I, I want to be one of the faithful ones who gets to see the promised land. And sure enough, when they built that thing, it's, it's everything I asked it to be. So what, uh, what was that conversation like when you were leaving NAU? I mean, did you go in there and you're just like, Hey, I'm leaving to an NAI school that, is literally one building and a piece of dirt. Like, what was that conversation like? Um, it was, it was, uh, it was a pretty unique conversation and on three fronts. So I went to my boss who I really liked and um, my boss's boss and I didn't always see eye to eye on things, but my boss I really liked. And um, I went in and I was like, after I finally figured it out, I was like, I'm gonna put in my, technically it was four weeks because like I made the decision and talked to him in January and I didn't come until February 28th. And I was like, here's what I got. Like I finished out my football season. Um, I directly wrote the program. I had six people working for me at NAU too. So I didn't write the program for every single team. I had other coaches helping me. And so I wrote the program for the swim team and their conference was on, on uh, February 23rd or, or maybe it was February 20th and February 23rd when, was when I came here, somewhere in there, it was either 23rd or 28th. We're in that little end of February window. I said, Hey, I'm going to put in my two weeks. I'm going to do like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I said goodbye to everybody. And, um, I, uh, their conference is in Houston every year for the swim team, uh, for the WAC conference. And I had bought a ticket to go and I had talked to the swim coach and he saved me a, a room at the hotel. I just, uh, one of the assistant coaches was going to have a room to themselves. So I stayed with him in the, uh, in the hotel room. And I was like, Hey, I'm telling everybody I'm leaving. I'm telling everybody I'm going, I'm going to say goodbye. And then I'm going to show up to the WAC championship in Houston, just 
as a surprise to everybody. And then it, that's, that's it. So like we have this big long sad goodbye. And then I showed up in Houston to the swim teams, uh, WAC conference, which they won eighth year in a row. And, uh, and there we are. So it was like, but the, the conversation with my boss was interesting because we had turned over our athletic director that same window and they were searching for a new athletic director. And she's like, I'm stuck in a window right now where I can't get you extra money right away, but I can get you extra money. I'm like, I'm not staying for the money right now. I am, I'm leaving for the time with my kids. And that was the major, that was the biggest selling point for me. Like I love getting to build my own weight room and I love getting to get my wife uh, back home. But the, the biggest selling point was I wanted to spend more time with my kids. And so that's like, can you guarantee me I'm not going to have to travel with football? No, you'll have to do that. Can you guarantee me I'm not going to have to come to any of the basketball games? No, you're going to have to do that. Can you get, and it's like halfway through our conversation, it's like, you can't give me what I asked for. So I love you guys. I miss you guys. I'm going to come up and visit you guys. Uh, it was great to, to go back up. I mean, my kids are still up in Flagstaff 50% of the time, so I get to go see stuff. And uh, one of the guys I hired actually took my job. His name's Sam Lackey. He's the head up at NAU right now. So I still have connections up there. And and Sharice uh, uh, Kudarov, too, she's the director of sports medicine. She was there longer than I was, still up there. So I still love, I want them to be successful, still uh, have people up there that I enjoy and are good friends of mine that will be friends of mine forever. And uh, yeah, I want, I want the best for them and I get to go up there and see them sometimes. I actually did the math and uh, the year that I came here, um, I got to go up to a football game um, at NAU and I actually got to watch from the audience. So I got to like, go and tailgate. It's my first tailgate at NAU because it's always been working. So I got to go tailgate and then I got to go sit in the little VIP section in the end zone and like hang out and watch a football game and did the math. It was actually my 100th football game at NAU. And I was like, hey, I got to sit in the VIP seats and, and sit and eat popcorn and have a drink and not even worry about, uh, not, not worry about whether or not we were winning or losing or where, where the punt team was or where all the craziness you got to do on the sidelines. Like I just got to sit back and enjoy a football game. And so uh, that conversation was weird on several fronts. The only one that I, I didn't like having was uh, Dan Darcy had been there for six years and he had, like I hired, he was my first hire and he had left. And two years later, I took this job and uh, he's like, why didn't you do this two years sooner, man? I wanted the head job there and not, you know, and then he was giving me a hard time about not leaving sooner. And I was going, Ottawa didn't even exist those two years before. So sorry, man, I couldn't take the job sooner, but it was uh, super sad. Um, you you kind of make the connections with the athletes and that's one of my favorite parts about the job is you just get to have a, I hate to say a better relationship, but I don't have a better word for, I get to have a better relationship because I don't recruit them. I don't pick their playing time. I don't pick their position. I don't pick who starts and who doesn't start. So a lot of the drama and a lot of the, the, uh, I don't know, social anxiety for whatever, really, you, you just don't have that. Like, I'm just there to help you. I just, I'm there to protect you. I'm there to help you. I'm, I'm there to help you get better. And so, um, we have a really drama free relationship and I try really hard to keep it that way. And so it's, it's, you get to have this awesome connection with the student athletes who, they might come and tell you a situation that they're not going to tell their coach because they don't want their coach to think that they're not ready to play on Saturday. So I get to hear a lot of things that, that the athletes just need to vent or need to say or need to do. And, and so those were, those were kind of hard to leave in the middle of their, their program at the same time, like a lot of my uh, juniors and seniors are saying, how could you leave me right now? And I was like, Hey, in two years, what are you going to do? You're, you're going to graduate and you're going to leave me. And for eight years here, every senior that I've had has left. And how many of them come and hang out with me and come to barbecues at my house? Not very many because you all leave Flagstaff and you go find work other places. So, so you're going to leave me and understand like some point I have to do what's best for my family. So, and I think they all understood when it was for the family, you know, it wasn't for more money and it wasn't for more fame. I was actually in most people's eyes, taking a step down from division one to NAI. It's like, it was a family step and most everybody I talked to was super respectful about that. So it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Well, what was, uh, you come here and obviously the gym isn't built yet. Like you said, you got the, um, famous tour from founders point on the parking garage where it's just dirt and, you know, construction had some issues. So, you know, you're coming in and you're doing workouts in high school. What was that first kind of workout like when, 
you're like, okay, I'm no longer, you know, we're no longer in Kansas, you know, Dorothy, like you're at this <laughs> high school weight room. What was that like? And was there a shock from, you're like, okay, like I was at this D1 facility where I had the keys and everything else. And now I'm at a high school where you don't really have, in terms of, you know, facility wise, you don't really have that much control. It was, um, it was extremely challenging. And it was extremely challenging on so many fronts. I can't even, I, I don't even know where to start. It was just a mess. It was a, just a train wreck. And um, looking back, I'm like, no, totally survived it and totally handled it well. I'm actually, this Friday, I'm actually uh, uh, working, there's about eight universities that are doing combined online internship. And I'm speaking on how do you start a program from scratch. And so I get to be one of the, the speakers in our little guest or I guess speaker in this little internship program for <clears throat> our strength and conditioning coaches. And um, I'm just, uh, oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start. So uh, step one was that I had all new coaches and I have, um, I believe that if my coaches trust me and my coaches believe in me that I get better buy-in from my coaches. And if I have better buy-in from my coaches then I have better buy-in from my athletes, and I'm really good at getting athletes to trust me and understand me. And I've been, I would say 80% on coaches in my past. And that 20% of coaches who just don't believe me or don't trust me have uh, kind of been my nemesis at NAU there. And I got here and it was like, I had every coach to, what do you need? What do you want? Where are your athletes at? What are they lacking the most? Or what are we focused on? Or do we need speed? Do we need strength? Do we need power? And, and so it was like, hey, I'm trying to shove 26 or whatever it was at the time, 24 programs together. And I don't even know what equipment I have to use to do this. And so then we're getting into the high school and getting into the high school was the biggest pain in the butt because half the time there had kids in there that weren't supposed to be there. The other half the time we couldn't get the door unlocked. And it, it was just this whole big swirl of a mess. I called one of the local gyms and was like, Hey, can you give us a deal? Like I, I just need overflow parking is what I need. I just can't fit everybody in uh, from 3 p.m. to 10 p.m. I, I can't, I just can't get that many athletes through in a window of time where they needed it. And so I started reaching out to other places, uh, um, came up with some other creative solutions. Like uh, the women's soccer team here was like, hey, we're just going to do our stuff on the field. So I'd do my work in the morning at the local gym, and then I'd drive over and go to soccer practice and do my uh, body weight circuit with them. And then head back over to Valley Vista in the afternoons and just crank as many people through as I can. And it was a, uh, it was just from each coach needing and wanting their own, their own unique uh, environment, you know, whether it was like, Hey, we just need fat loss or, Hey, we, I don't want my guys standing around or, Hey, I don't want, and to learn those things that like, I would like to provide to the coaches, you know, and, and it was just, a huge learning curve. And then we went through a craziness where I think we broke 14 bars from Valley Vista. They just had these terrible, terrible bars and they got some money in. So they replaced them. And then we broke a couple more. And then I went and I have a friend here in town who has a whole bunch of them just sitting out there. So I went and traded him some exercise equipment that I have for a bunch of bars. And I brought a bunch of bars in to, to try to make good. I'm over here going like, I can't ruin our relationship with these guys. This is my only weight room right now. So I'm trying really hard not to ruin a relationship with uh, Valley Vista and bringing them bars and just running around like a crazy person. It was, a, uh, it was, uh, I used to call it my mobile strength, my mobile strength. Truck. I just had a big box full of rubber bands and workout programs and a little folder in there and just carry it into the West side total fitness, carry it out, carry it into Valley Vista, carry it out. And so, I mean, I came up with everything I possibly could. I ended up making up friends with a couple of coaches at Valley Vista and they would unlock the door for us at six in the morning. And then we had to be out of there by 645. So that way when people started showing up at seven, OUAZ was never there. And so <laughs> we were sneaking teams in in the morning and I was just running around like a crazy person. I can't even, I mean, I would do it again if I had to, but if I don't have to, I won't. No, I bet. I mean, we're still, you know, uh, some of the programs, uh, unfortunately, just don't have their facilities yet. Um, namely, like softball, where we're going to Willow Canyon. And I'm sure the Willow or uh, softball coaches would agree that um, 
you know, they don't, they'll do it if they have to, but uh, if they can have their own facility and not have to run around with their equipment, that that would be something they would choose. And what was that first time like? Again, I mean, I know, you know, like you said, you have to build your own weight room. You know, they said fill a square with whatever you want and, you know, you have your equipment. But what was it like when you first walked in there and, I mean, everything was there. You had your, you know, your benches and your bands and your weights and what was that like when you first got to step in there? Like, okay, this is real now. This isn't just talk anymore. Um, gosh, I, I, there's part of me that's like, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it was a whole process. So it's like, I didn't walk in and it was all done. You know, it's like there was the blueprints and there was the squares and there was the construction meetings. And like, like I said, offline, I got to be a part of building our foundation and not putting rebar in it so I could bolt things to the floor and having our foundation be separate from the rest of the building. So when we drop our weights, we're not shaking everybody's office or their classrooms. And, and so I got to be a part of a lot, like how high the ceilings were and, and getting a good stereo in there and things like that. So I got to be a part of all those meetings. And then I got to come in and it was like, Hey, here's your, here's your square. Here's your room. Okay. There's studs up now. Okay, now there's drywall on there. Okay, so now we have your room. Now we have the lights in. Now we have the stereo hung. Now we have, now we have, now we have. And it's like I got to see every layer get put on. And it was like, all right, especially when it came to the flooring and to the, um, to the equipment company, it was I'm in the room and I'm the one directing it. It wasn't somebody on the construction team who says, all right, this is happening. Oh, this is happening. And I kind of stood back. This was like, all right, flooring company's here. Cody you're up and so I'm in the room going these squares are here and those squares are here and I need this here and this distance there and we're all looking at the the schematics that we had drawn up on the floor and making sure it's there and we got an amazing so our flooring company is play that's p-l-a-e I'm promoing them right now at the same time like if you look up Ottawa we're right behind the Mariners and the Seahawks on installations like super good flooring company and it's just if you go in there and actually have some feel for weight room floorings like we have the 18 millimeter best, like we have phenomenal, this isn't division one, this is professional level flooring. And they get it done and it's like, it smells, the, the rubber smell just smells so good and the room is super clean and it just, there's no equipment and it's just monstrous. And I'm looking at this going like, this is the biggest room ever. This is gonna be so great. I'm gonna give my friends up at NAU a hard time. I have a bigger weight room than them. And um, Sornex comes and that's our, our company. I'll, I'll promo them too. Sornex comes in and they are just the greatest company. I love them so much. I love everything that they're about. And then they come in and so we have uh, Dan McKim, who's a world-class thrower. Uh, he is the sales rep for Sornex. He's the one I talk to on the phone. He helps me get all the stuff in the computer so I know what all fits and how much I'm buying and what's happening. And he pulls up with a truck that pulls up and helps us install. It's like, so we have this huge larger than life human being who's a world-class thrower who's a world-class lifter who's in here helping us install our stuff he happens to be a really good christian man too in case you didn't get to know him it's like so we have this great dude that i look up to you know and it's like he's helping us and we're turning the, and i'm getting to help like i installed at least half of our racks and well you bolt them together and you put them together and they, they stand up and you stand them up and you put them together and it's like and then so as we pieced every piece of it together and i got to be a part of the whole thing from the ground up and it was like when it was all said and done and there it was and i'm standing like everybody left and i'm standing there it was like part of me was just so relieved and it's like it's here it's like christmas day i told i think i texted my wife that i was like christmas is here and i sent her a picture of it. like it's it's october but christmas is here was <laughs> it was september maybe but christmas is here and i was just so excited about it and then in my head it was like okay now starts a whole new layer of work because my athletes have been lifting at at Valley Vista and at Westside Total Fitness and it and it's like they don't understand how a how a college weight room I hate saying division one but like they don't know how this works yet and so now it's like hey um everything gets put back exactly where it goes every like this is where you warm up this is where you clean this is where you remember at Valley Vista where you guys were all standing next to each other while this is happening that was super dangerous and it will never happen again you have to stay away from these you have to stay off the platforms yeah and there was so many rules that it was like teaching everybody rules all at once is just a pain and that was kind of one of those going back to the talking about how that was being there for eight years at NAU once you get through four years of hey this is the format that happens in our weight room 
most of the time the upperclassmen handle it for me and I don't have to. They, hey, get off the platform. We don't stand there. Hey, put that bar over there. We don't, we don't leave those lying around anywhere. Like put that back where it goes, turn it upright. We make, we're, we're a class act, put it, make it look good. When we leave here, it looks good. And the, the upperclassmen will help me with that. And I don't have to just run around and police everybody like a crazy person, like I kind of have to do now. And so like the work of that first semester was just, this is how we function in a real weight room. This is how we, like just the format of how we operate was the next level of like, hey, we really got to get this in. And unfortunately we kind of got cut short on this last semester. So we're going to have to re-swing into that. But to answer your question short, um, it was like Christmas day when I was standing in there. I was like five years old and the big presents were all standing right there with me, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing with uh, OUAZ is, I mean, still building, right? I mean, hopefully more plans for, you know, to grow the school in terms of uh, physical size. But for you, I mean, you got the weight room and, and you're building. So um, I think for somebody like myself, who's, you know, not in tune with a strength or conditioning, you know, strength and conditioning program or how to, you know, run one, um, it, it might not be as obvious to me. But for you, you know, you got the weight room, you're starting to build in terms of, you know, people are getting used to you, getting great relationship with the coaches, players are starting to understand the rules a little bit better, but what's the next step for you in the strength and conditioning program? What is, what does that next step look like? And, and for next year, what do you do to say, okay, I made progress. You know, how do you feel that you made progress? Um, in a normal environment, um, some of the major things, um, wins and losses is, is a real easy one. We all like wins and losses. But to look at the injury reports back to back and to look at um, the numbers back to back. And I don't, I don't like numbers for the sake of like, I'm not a num number driven program. Like your squat doesn't have to be a certain number and your bench doesn't have to be a certain number for me to think you did well. Like you have to improve. And I like to use that measurement to make sure that my program's helping you improve. But uh, with the, with the whole quarantine and on life as it is right now, like, the next major challenge is just how do we how do we be respectful to our governing bodies to to follow the social distancing rules and be good leaders by example at the same time as get like I said I have to get 650 athletes through that room on sometimes a daily basis so when when we go through that um, when we go through that how do we enter and I'm working with our our director of sports medicine right now and putting together some plans on how we're going to make this work and trying to transition them into getting a bunch of people who probably sat around a lot and didn't exercise. And this is every coach I've talked to across the country. Like it's been really hard to exercise. It's been really hard to be motivated. It's been really hard to do the right thing. And the few that do will stand out and shine, but the rest of us who are normal and just struggled with this whole deal and didn't train ourselves. Like how do I get them as close to good as possible without overtraining them, without hurting them, without, and, you know, there's a lot of guidelines out there by our governing bodies, uh, the uh, NSCA and the CSCCA have put together some really good resources for, hey, here's how you train them. But I'm looking at this going like, even if I get them back in July, like they're going to be playing in, in three months or less, two months in some cases. And it's like, man, that's not a lot of time. So we're, we're kind of playing, uh, uh, we're, we're kind of triaging it right now is just who, who needs the most help and what can I do to, to, to just help them survive this next season. And, and get to play another one without having a catastrophic injury. So uh, I think the next challenge in front of us is like, is transitioning after such a break and trying to get back into what that looks like. Well, we're hoping that um, that comes soon, as you said. Uh, hopefully the goal is July. And, yeah, for, for a sport like football and, and soccer and volleyball, I mean, that's, like you said, two months or less. So. Um, Cody, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk today and sharing your story. I mean, it's, it's such a great story, right? I mean, it's so hard to think that somebody who had, you know, as you said, it's kind of that superiority complex at the D1, you know, you had a quote unquote dream job and could have been set for life and, you know, to a certain extent, but uh, chose to come to OUAZ. We're excited you did. And um, I appreciate you not only coming to OUAZ, but also taking time today to talk with us. Thank you. I appreciate you asking me. I, uh, uh, in the thought process on when, when they talk about the founders, like half the time, I don't always put myself in the group because so much time went by 
before I got hired. And it's like, no, you get to be a founder. You, you were the first strength coach we ever hired. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I do. And then part of me is like, there was almost a year. I think it was pretty close to a year went by before I actually got hired. So part of me is like, I'm, I'm kind of the newcomer to the fountain. I'm like, Hey, I'm the last one who showed up, <laughs> you know, but, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I appreciate you putting me on the, uh, the founders podcast. So I appreciate it. Yeah. One of the last of the founders to come in, but uh, arguably maybe the most important founder to be here. So Cody, once again, thank you so much. And we look forward to talking to you soon. Fresh. Appreciate it. Thank you very much.